Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Our fathers, we come to this time. We're thankful for your love and for the opportunity to be together to study your word. I pray that you would open our minds, um, give us your wisdom to hear your word, um, to take that and to use it in our lives so that we can influence others to learn about you and to accept you into their lives. I ask you to bless us as we continue with this service of Bible study and into our worship service, that everything that we do and say will be uh, bring honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Where's your passenger? Uh, it's oh, is it bothering me? I'm sorry. All right, we need to add Daniel to our prayer list this morning. He's not able to be here with us. All right. Uh, the second coming of Jesus is our subject today. And I'm going to read all the verses and then we'll come back and uh, read the individual portions as we go through our study today and uh, the different sections. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thess Thessalonians. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always thank God for you, brothers. This is right, since your faith is flourishing. And the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. There, therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your endurance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions you endure. It is a clear, it is a clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering, since it is righteous for God to repay with afflictions those who afflict you, and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire, on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from His glorious strength. In that day, when He comes to be glorified by His saints and to be admired by all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. As we uh, think about these thoughts, 
He's talking about the same coming of Jesus as He establishes His kingdom on this earth. He's not talking about the rapture. The rapture is taking place seven years, you believe, prior to the time when He actually comes and sets foot on the earth and becomes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he rules on this earth for how long, Michael? How long is He going to rule on this earth? Yeah, a thousand years. He's going to be ruling and reigning a thousand years on this earth. I thought you'd pop that right out. <laughs> so, I wasn't sure what, I wasn't sure what the question was. No, all right, sorry. Uh, so, uh, uh, there's two phases, we might say, of Jesus' second coming. Because He's coming in the air where He doesn't set foot on the earth. To rapture the saints. Now, what does the word rapture mean? Who can answer? To call up. To call up. Yeah. To be caught away. That's the idea that's uh, in the word rapture. And uh, so, we who are alive and remain on the earth when He comes in that phase of His second coming. We'll be caught up together and won't taste death in the sense that our mothers and fathers maybe and, and maybe even brothers and sisters and others that have passed on in your life. And so Jesus is going to bring us to heaven with Him. We're going to be changed instantly. In a moment, twinkling an eye, you've heard that. And uh, uh, so uh, this is kind of to set things in perspective for us to understand what's going to take place. When is He coming to rapture us? When is He going to do that? What do you want to say? <laughs> All right, good answer. It could be today. It really could be today. I mean, I think we're so close to the end time that His coming to rapture us could be just any time. Our world is in such a mess, isn't it? Are there wars and rumors of war taking place in the world today? Yeah, just look at the Ukraine, right? Things are happening that we would rather would not happen. But they are happening. And uh, so uh, we need to be patient. That's what the Bible tells us. Until He does come. Until that rapture takes place. Now, these individuals that He's writing to were being persecuted, right? We see that in what He's saying here. Alright, let's get on into it. Uh, this is the second of the letters to the Thessalonians. And we've gone through the first one. We haven't looked at every verse, but we've gone through it pretty well and uh, looked at the uh, things that are talked about there in that first letter. And so we're beginning this second letter 
And uh, notice that he's still talking about their faithfulness. This is one of the things that we talked about in the very first letter. He addresses their faithfulness, how faithful that church was. That's something he didn't say about any other church or brag about them as he does this church. As uh, we've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, we've seen a lot of things going on in that church. And even Galatians and uh, the other uh, churches that he wrote to, we see problems in that church that had to be addressed. Well, not in this one. He brags on it. He talks about how faithful they are. Now, I would hope that if our church were addressed like that, he could say the same type things about our church, that we're faithful. Now, we don't have all of those terrible problems, like especially the Corinthians. But, uh, these two letters are early. Probably the first two letters the Apostle Paul has ever written. We're almost positive that 1 Thessalonians was the first. And we don't know how much time existed between the first letter and the second letter. But we don't believe that it was very long. And so we think that the second letter the Apostle Paul wrote was 2 Thessalonians. But it was very early in his writing ministry. So, uh, how long between the first two letters? Well, some scholars have looked at this and tried to determine the length of time. And they have said that maybe it was only a matter of weeks between the first letter and the second letter. Not very long, probably. But the Apostle Paul had dealt with two primary issues in the first letter. And now returns to those two subjects again very quickly in this letter, the second coming. And his concerns about people who were idle, not working, or who had stopped working. But the apostle was able to praise the Thessalonians because their spiritual progress and endurance during persecution was seen. And how they continued to trust God to bring justice because of those that were not doing the right things and, and uh, persecuting. All right, let's notice the reading, the very first part of this letter, verses 1 and 2. All right, Meredith, would you read verses 1 and 2 there for us? I forgot about that, but not the Paul said,
I like how well she reads. Don't you? Uh, but who is it that's the author of this letter? It doesn't just single out the Apostle Paul, does it? But Sylvanus and Timothy all have a part in writing this letter. Now, Timothy was young, if you remember. And he's going to be used greatly by the Apostle Paul and is mentioned many times in the different letters. If you remember the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we find Timothy going to Corinth. Uh, we find him uh, bringing the report back to the Apostle Paul. So uh, Timothy is used greatly by the Apostle Paul and accompanies him in many of his journeys. Silvanus is there with them as well at different times. Christian greetings are formalities. Politeness, we might say. And they usually have a deeper meaning in the letters than just uh, an ordinary letter. In 1 Thessalonians, he wrote that God the Father, but not just God the Father, but God our Father. Did you notice that? Our describes the spiritual bonding between the Thessalonians and the Apostle Paul. Our Father. You remember Jesus' model prayer? It was our Father who is in heaven. The way it starts out. And then, after grace and peace, the source of our grace and peace is from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, let's go on then to the thanksgiving and the spiritual progress and perseverance of uh, this particular church. L.B., would you read verses 3 and 4 here for us? Oh, Meredith should have kept the uh, microphone. Three and four, yes. Thanksgiving for spiritual progress and perseverance. We must always thank God for you, brothers. This is right. Since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves was about you about you among God's churches, about your endurance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions you endure. Okay. He brings this out at the very first part of the letter, but they're, they're undergoing persecution. They're undergoing problems, trouble, affliction. And notice he says, your endurance and faith during these trials that you're going through. Verses 3 to 10, through 10, actually, uh, is one sentence in the Greek. Translations add to it its complexity by splitting up that one sentence into several smaller sentences. But the phrase rightly expresses the Apostle Paul's need to thank God for 
this church for the progress, the faith, the love that he sees in this group of people. Notice verse 3 again. He gives thanks for the church in their faith, their love, and their hope. Now, wait a minute. Here he omits a reference to hope, doesn't he? Ah. Faith is the Godward or vertical quality, and love is the outward or horizontal quality of their faith. And then he addresses their spiritual progress and perseverance and faith. And he boasts about that church among other churches. The persecutions, the trials are numerous and continuous. So one of the things that we can speculate here is that not only did they have faith and love, but they also had hope as well in their outlook, even though he didn't mention it in this particular portion of Scripture. Now let's notice the assurance of judgment uh, on the persecutors that were uh, causing the problems. Uh, Fred, would you give the uh, microphone to uh, Deborah here and uh, let her read verses 5 through 10. Assurance of judgment on persecutors. It is a clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also are suffering, since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction to those who afflict you, and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. In that day, when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be admired by all those who have believed, because our testimony among you was believed. Okay. All right, think of what he's saying here. They were going through persecution. They were expecting the Lord to come at just any time to punish those who were persecuting them. All through the New Testament, we have the understanding that Jesus is coming soon. Right? Well, now that's been 2,000 years ago. And he hasn't come as yet. Yeah, you know, just like it says in the Bible, just like it says in the Bible. Okay, we'll have to let that out. Cut that out. All right, go ahead. Just like it says in the Bible. See, they can't hear you better listen to it. Just like it says in the Bible, you know, a day is like a thousand years to us. So yeah. 2,000 years could be two days to God. I know, I know. But I'm saying that he hasn't come yet. Oh, I know that. <laughs> so, 
so what we're looking at is these people believed that he was going to come during their lifetime, didn't it? Now, does that mean it's going to be 2,000 more years before he comes? Do we know? No. But I think we've got enough evidence in the scriptures to tell us that that coming is very soon. It's not going to be even 100 years from now. It's not going to be, I don't think, even 50 years from now. Now, most of us have lived 50 years. Meredith excluded. And we know how long 50 years is. I don't think it's going to be that long before the Lord comes back. In fact, I really honestly believe He could come just any moment. Everything's been fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled that the Lord talks about. Now, Paul turns to God's righteous judgment here upon the evildoers, upon those that are causing the suffering, the pain, the torment, the problems in this church. And notice he also indicates it's with him as well. Is he going through some trouble in his ministry? Yeah. And so he says he's going to bring trouble for them, but peace for you and for us. Showing that he's going through the similar persecutions that the Thessalonians are going through. Now, Scripture never says that human suffering produces salvation. Their salvation was brought about by their suffering. Some people believe that you go through suffering and then you're able to be saved. No. That's, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. But how the Thessalonians had endured their suffering showed the genuine quality of their faith and they're going to be rewarded for their endurance. Now, God is just when He dispenses judgment. He's talking about that judgment that's coming and the rewards that are coming. He's just in punishment and rewards. He's going to judge faithful believers and the judgment will come on these that are evil, such as those that are persecuting this church. And when he comes, he's going to bring punishment on those that persecuted the Thessalonians. Now, it's a long time after their persecution. It's a long time after their trials. But he's going to judge those that have done wrong when he comes. And so we can leave the judgment in his hands. The verb repay indicates that God's judgment balances the scales of justice. 
evil people will ultimately receive exactly what they deserve. God would not be just if he gave both good and evil the same reward. He does It's in the scales of justice where he's balancing that which is good and that which is evil. God has a moral universe in which immorality of all kinds are going to be judged. You can just think about all the kinds of evil that goes on in our world today. And God is going to judge them. The word revelation is the same word that is, used, that is used in the book of Revelation, meaning to reveal, meaning to, uh, meaning to uh, make it plain, make it open, make it understandable. And so he's going to be revealed. And it's the word apocalypse. Who heard that word? An uncovering of something that's been previously hidden. That's what revelation really means. Uh, I think some of the translations even name the book of Revelation the apocalypse. Because it's really that's uh, true as well. Because that's what apocalypse means. It means unveiling. At his return, Jesus will be openly seen in all of his glory. And everyone will be able to see him as he is. He's going to be revealed for who he is. How many today do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Or that he did what he did when he came and died on the cross. And he's going to be revealed. You know those nails left a scar. And people are going to be able to see those scars when Jesus comes. That's one of the things that's left from his crucifixion. And so as people see him, they're going to see him as he is. And they're going to be punished who don't believe in him. Those who don't know God. And then those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They know of the gospel, but have refused not uh, to believe, have refused to believe. They've chosen not to believe. They turned their backs on. And the Bible says their faith is going to be everlasting destruction. And that's the loss of everything that is worthwhile. Utter ruin. It is talking about 
these individuals having everlasting loss and suffering, being separated from all that relates to life. And God is going to separate Himself completely from those who are damned, those who are thrown into the lake of fire. Paul's words here are very clear. And they're really, really serious. We're talking on Sunday morning about our witness after the resurrection of Christ. Remember? The great commission that he gave and uh, then how we have uh, the responsibility of being individuals who would let others know about Jesus. And we're going to continue that particular thought this morning in my message. And we need to be concerned about those that don't know Jesus and try to let them know through our witness what they need to do that they might be saved. And then the positive message about the final day of the Lord is that Jesus will be glorified in His holy people. He's going to be glorified in us as we live and we rule and we reign with Him for how long? Well, a thousand years first on this earth. And then we're going to be with Him forever. Yeah, you're right. But uh, uh, we're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. Now, heaven ages, I don't know really what that's going to entail and what we're going to be doing during the heaven ages, but I can tell you during the millennium, during that thousand years, we're going to have jobs. We're going to be working with the Lord. I don't know what it's going to entail, but he's going to have a job for Bob. For my for all of us, every one of us are going to have a responsibility before God. And they you won't be left out here. What do you think would take place? That's what we talked about a little bit ago. We don't know. It's soon. I believe it's really soon. It's going to take like place really soon. From everything that's in the world, it's going on. Right. Yeah. It yeah. can't be too much longer. I don't believe it can be too much longer. So, only people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ though, are going to participate in the worship and the awe that we experience during that day. Have you ever experienced awe? One of the things that uh, I remember as I have been in different places, when I looked over into the Grand Canyon, wow, that's a big hole. <laughs> has there been something in your life that has just really overwhelmed you? Yeah. The volcano that struck the big beast hole up there. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's these little crystals inside coal. It looks like charcoal. Yeah. They look like diamonds. I thought they were diamonds. <laughs> I found that they're not. They're not diamonds, but uh, the coal has gone through a similar process. It just didn't go far enough to create a diamond. Right. Uh, but hey, go to our neighbor, Costa Rica. 
they have some active ones. And you can actually see them. Like you don't want to go. <laughs> Come on. Ready? What's, what's wrong? <laughs> you don't even want to go to the volcano. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the conclusion here. Uh, he is sympathetic with those who are being persecuted. He calls He wants them to be able to see. He wants them to be able to see the future state where they're going to be rewarded, where they're going to be blessed, where they're going to be in awe at God's presence, in God's presence. I, I don't think I can explain it where we can. Because I can't understand it like I'm going to understand when I'm there in the presence of God. It's, it's going to be more awe than looking at an extinct volcano or looking at an active volcano or looking in the Grand Canyon or wherever else it might be in the world. There's a lot of things that, that can produce some awe in our lives. Bob, have you got some experiences like that? And so this is going to be so much greater than anything we've experienced during life. And notice the reassurance that's given to the Thessalonians. Hey, that's a reassurance to you as well. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you are classified in those that are going to experience those things at the Thessalonian church is going to experience. And those that have persecuted you, you won't have to worry about those anymore. But do you know, there's a possibility if they're persecuting you right now, that they have the opportunity to be turned from their sin and from that persecution that they're doing to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, as we live among them, and, and even if they're persecuting us, we need to live before them a life that's true to the Lord. And let them understand that that life that we have, they can have. They can have the same salvation that we have. But the return of Jesus is going to coincide with the end of this particular age that we're living in. Have you heard of uh, ages? Uh, what was the uh, book that was written? Uh, anyway, uh, it, it shows that there are different ages that people have lived in. And this Millennial age, have you ever heard it called that? Mm -hmm. This millennial time when the Lord is going to reign on this earth is going to be the final age before everything ends. Now, let me say this. There's going to be some people that are going to go into the millennium in their human bodies. And these individuals are going to be given the opportunity to be saved 
Jesus is ruling and reigning on the earth, you would think that every one of them would be saved, right? Well, that's not going to happen. At the end of the millennium, Satan is going to be loosed for a short time. It says for a short time. And he's going to be able to gather together from those that are still alive in their human bodies and remain on this earth. A group that are going to oppose the Lord. Now we can't imagine the Lord reigning on the earth for a thousand years and His righteousness being seen and being shown. You know, we today live in governments that are not perfect. That make mistakes. Has the government of Panama ever made a mistake? Well, they wouldn't admit it. <laughs> Maybe. But they have. The government of the United States, the government of Great Britain, the government, you know, you name it. In any particular place, these governments have made mistakes. Jesus' government will not make a mistake. For a thousand years, there's righteousness. Well, uh, that's a study for another day, but uh, there's going to come a time when there's going to be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, for the former things have passed away. That's what the Bible says. So that means that uh, we're, we're going to uh, in the direction of the perfect existence, the uh, silver and the God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, let's uh, bring this to a close today. I'll give you a, a little extra time maybe today for you to be able to socialize. And we got some sweets over there and some coffee. And so feel free. Freddie provided those this morning. And uh, he's giving the opportunity for other individuals, and he, he encourages other individuals to maybe supply some, some things. Mm, excuse me. I don't need anything. So I'd like to bring in some pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. Well, <laughs> we'll be okay. Uh, others have furnished things at different times, leftovers from different uh, fellowships that they've had in their home parties. And so maybe when Meredith had a uh, birthday, is that what we got the uh, cake from? That yeah. So you know, feel free if you want to bring something. Uh, we'll put it on the table and let people pick it up and, uh, and enjoy fellowship together as we uh, meet together. All right, let's uh, have prayer as we end our session today. And let's see, uh, Michael. Would you lead us in our closing prayer, please? Thank you so much for another opportunity to come and worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you for Dr. Steve's leading us in his public state. Be with the folks who couldn't be with us today and illness and other issues. And, uh, we know you're coming back and promised you're coming back and uh, help us to be with you. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 
email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.